You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of a series called Rooted in Christ by Pastor Daniel White. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truths from his word today. But today I want to talk about the importance of becoming an active member in the local church. There were several families that were on my mind today and I prayed that God would really use this message to speak into their hearts about getting involved in the ministry. And you know that every single one of those families are not here today. It's pretty incredible. But the very ones that God put on my heart are not here. I'm going to tell you something. Spiritual warfare is real. It really is. And it's times like this that really make me realize the last thing the enemy wanted these families to hear was this message today. Matthew chapter 16, beginning with verse 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say, Thou art John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock, Petras, Petra, being the rock, Jesus Christ, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. There we find the conception in the heart and mind of Christ of his church. Now let's go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 is the birth of the local church. Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 41. Then they, they gladly received his word, were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them, the local church, 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayers. Drop down to verse 46. And they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added unto the church daily such as should be saved. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would use your word to speak deeply into our hearts today concerning the church. Your love for the church, our commitment to the local church, and our need to get actively involved in church ministry. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. Many of God's people simply do not understand the importance of the local church. It's, it's just, a, just a fact. The commitment to the local church that the Bible says sets forth, membership in a local church, being faithful to a local church, in your attendance, in your tithing, and in your service. For many Christians, they just cannot grasp the concept or the importance of the local church. Now, the word church 
is found 114 times in the New Testament. It's the Greek word ekklesia, which simply means an assembly. Hear that word there? An assembly, an assembly of people who are called out. So the call of salvation goes out. We respond to that call of salvation and Christ brings us into his church. The Bible said, who has saved us and called us. You'll find that word called throughout the scripture. Called us with a holy calling. By the way, let me say this. The call of God can be resisted. You can reject the call of God. But if you've accepted the call of God in salvation, the next step is baptism, followed by church membership, followed by involvement in the local church. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. In Acts chapter 8 and verse 12, it says this, when they believed Philip's preaching of the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women, and brought into the local church. This is God's pattern throughout Scripture. So of the hundred, think of this with me, of the 114 times that the word church is found in the New Testament, 99 times it's used in reference to a local church just like ours. 99 times. Eight times it's used to refer to the local church in general or in a particular area. For example, the churches of Galatia or the churches in Macedonia. That leaves us with only seven times that the word church is used where there is debate or different interpretations given as to what exactly the Lord was speaking about. But when, before I get to those seven references, we're going to look at each one of them. Let me say this. The definition of the local church could be as follows. An organized band assembly, an organized band of baptized believers who are gathered together for doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, which is the Lord's table, and prayers. That is, that is the focus of the ministry that God has left to the local church. Doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayers. There's nowhere in scripture that the word church refers to a building. This is not a church. We call it the church, but you are the church. It's not a building. Despite the amount of money and time and attention we give to this building, this building is not the church. And sometimes we just get that, that thought or that concept in our mind, hey, I'm going to run down to the church, I say to my wife. And she knows, she knows what I'm talking about. We all know what we're talking about. But I want you today to think about the fact that this building is not the church. We are the church. The church is made up of born-again, baptized believers gathered together to hear the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God, to experience discipleship and fellowship and worship. And the Bible said we are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Amen. So let's now look at those seven times that the word church is used where 
many would say it's not referring to the local church, but it's simply referring, and this is what they call it, the universal invisible church. The universal invisible church. They say, those who hold to that doctrine of the universal church, by the way, the word Catholic means universal, but those who hold to the universal invisible church say, well, this is the body of Christ and it's made up of anyone and everyone who's born again, no matter what denomination or church they may attend. It doesn't include non-believers. It includes only believers. We are a part of the universal invisible church. Now, I have some arguments against that that I'm going to share with you today. But of the seven main passages that are used to refer to the local church, in my opinion, they could just as easily refer to a local church. So here we have an interpretation. Either it is a universal, invisible church, or it is a local, visible church. And there kind of is good arguments on both sides. I'll give them that. But I could only share with you this morning as the pastor my personal opinion of these verses that are used by many to say you really don't need to be a part of a local church. You don't need to be a member of a local church. You don't need to be accountable as far as local church membership is concerned. You don't, you don't need to be accountable to a pastor because I'm just a part of the church, that universal, invisible church. First of all, let me say this. Does Christ expect everyone of his followers to be baptized? How does an invisible church baptize anyone? Does Christ expect every one of his children not only to be baptized, but to be active in church ministry? How do you get active in an invisible church? Here's one of the verses, and we read it earlier, that is used. And those who hold to that doctrine of the universal, invisible church quote this verse, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I just have a question. Why, why can't that refer to the local church? Who says that that refers only to the universal, invisible church? First of all, let me say this. When you build something, you pretty much can see it. Right? Here's another one that they use, and we read this one. Praising God and having favor with all people, and the Lord added unto the church daily such as should be saved. And they said, there, there you have it. That's the universal, invisible church. Shouldn't we take verses in their context? All right. So that's verse 47. Verse 48 talks about people being saved, baptized, and gathering together for doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayers. So the context is the local church. To pull that verse out and say, well, there you go, there's the universal invisible church, it doesn't pass muster with the context in which that is found. Here's another one that they use, uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 32. Giving none offense, neither to Jews, nor to Gentiles, nor to the church of God. They say that, that's the universal invisible church. Well, I just have a question. How do you inf offend something that's invisible? Now, I, I know I'm not a deep thinker here, 
But how do you offend something that's not visible? Obviously, the Jews were visible and the Gentiles were visible. Then all of a sudden, the church becomes invisible? Here's another one that is used. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22. And he hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. Who's the head of the church? Christ is the head of the church. How is Christ the head of an invisible church? I don't know. If you can tell me that, okay, maybe I can accept that interpretation. But I don't see how Christ can be the head of something that is invisible. Here's another one, a little bit more lengthier. Ephesians chapter 2, or excuse me, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 through verse 32. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands and unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church and the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so that the wives be to their own husbands and everything, how is an invisible church subject unto Christ? So, so let, let, let the wives... Um, Subject unto Christ, so that the wives be to their own husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, that he may sanctify and cleanse it. How do you sanctify and cleanse something that's invisible? With the washing of the water of the word. That he may present it to himself a glorious church. A glorious church. How can you be glorious and invisible? not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself, for no man yet either hateth his own flesh, but nourisheth it, even as the Lord the church. How do you cherish and nourish something that's invisible? Are you, are you all with me today? Some of you are like, I know I have a tendency to overdo, overemphasis. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife. And the two shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Hmm. Colossians chapter 1, verse 18 is the last one that's used. And he is the head of the body of the church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. How does Christ have the preeminence in an invisible church? See, that's why I'm saying to you, every one of the verses that are used by those who hold to the doctrine of the universal invisible church can just as easily, in my opinion, can just as easily be applied to the local church. If I'm wrong in my interpretation of Scripture, and, and no Scripture is any private interpretation, I got that. But if I'm wrong, let's just settle on this. The great emphasis is on the local church, right? If you have 114 references to the local church and only seven references, and those are in question to the universal, invisible body of Christ, the church, I would say we need to put the emphasis where Christ puts the emphasis. So let's go back to this invisible church Idea. I mean, I'm faced with it all the time. Where is it? Where is this invisible church? Who knows? Can't see it. Who attends it? No one. Thank you, Debbie. You are so wise. 
Because everyone, 200 people here, and you're the only one that could figure that out. <laughs> Where is it? Who knows? Who's who attends it? Nobody. Where are its members? They're in an invisible state. <laughs> Who's the pastor? I know sometimes you wish I was invisible. I got it. <laughs> Who's the deacons? Who are the teachers? Where do you send your tithe? Oh, that's why you want to believe in the Universal Invisible Church. How does it send out missionaries? Who baptizes? How does the Invisible Church exercise church discipline, if necessary? How does an Invisible Church make disciples? I believe that most of us would confess that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Amen. That it is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness, and that it is our only rule of faith and practice. How many believe that? Say amen. amen. Okay. If we claim that the Word of God is our sole authority of life and practice, that it is inspired, infallible, inerrant, preserved, and that it gives us guidance in our lives. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my what? Why don't we believe it's teaching concerning the local church? This is what I believe. We can't pick and choose what passage of scripture we will believe and we will apply and which ones we won't believe and won't apply. We can't do that. Remember when the country buffet used to be here in town? How many remember the country buffet? We grew up taking our children to the country buffet because everyone under 12 was free. <laughs> After they all started getting it, we didn't go there much anymore. But can you tell this preacher loves smorgasbords? I love to pick and choose going through a buffet. God's word is not a buffet. We can't pick and choose what we're going to believe and not going to believe. So I've had people come to me and say, well then, I want you to show me where membership is found in the Bible. Thank you for asking. <laughs> I believe that membership is taught throughout the scriptures. Let me give you some examples. For, and, and remember, these passages are written to a local church. They're not written to a, a universal, invisible church. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. For as the body is one and hath many, many members. Does your body have, many, have a lot of members? Sure it does. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. Don't tell me that's talking about some universal invisible church. It's talking about a body that has members. Members. But now God has sent the members, every one of them in the body, as they has pleased him. But now are they many members 
but one body. We have many members in the church, but we're one body. Nay, much more, those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness, that there should be no schisms or divisions in the body, but that the members, the members of that local body, that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, how can this be a universal invisible church? And whether one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice. Four times membership is taught in that one verse. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. Now to the book of Romans. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. We all have different ministries within the local church. So we being many are one body in Christ and every member one of another. How can we be members one of another if it's not talking about a local visible church? The universal church doctrine to me just doesn't fit scripture. And it is an excuse that people use for not being part of a local church in a day when commitment is rare. And isn't it? You look at almost every aspect of life, commitment today is very, very rare. So I guess it shouldn't surprise us that church membership is very low on many people's priority list. To me, that's very sad. It's, uh, it's not uncommon anymore to find Christians who move from church to church. From church to, we call them church what? Church hoppers. They hop from this church to that church to another. They're just hopping back and forth all the time. They never settle down into one local church. They never become committed to a, a local body of believers. They never submit themselves to a pastor. They're always just jumping around, always looking for that perfect church, to which I say, don't join it. Because if you do, you'll ruin it. There isn't such a thing as a perfect church. There's not such a thing as a perfect pastor. And those of you who sit under my ministry know that. I was hoping I wasn't going to hear an amen. <laughs> so again, my opinion. To neglect or refuse to join a local church in formal membership means that you don't understand the importance of it or you're simply in rebellion against the word of God. Another thing, when you join a local church, it, it puts you in a place where God can bless you and where you will have opportunities to serve him. Do you know that even our insurance, if you're in an area of ministry in our church, that our, even our insurance will not cover you if you're not a member of this church? I believe it's essential for every Christian to understand what church membership is and how important church membership is. And I did this. I went through the New Testament and all these passages that refer to the church. And I thought, 
in the New Testament, this is what it is. When you came to Christ in the New, and I, I, I challenge any of you to find, find anything different. When you come to Christ, in the New Testament, when they came to Christ, they also came to his church. There, there, there wasn't such a thing as someone coming to Christ, but not coming into his church. So the idea of experiencing salvation without belonging to a local church is absolutely foreign in the New Testament. You will not find it. When individuals repented and believed, they were baptized, and the Bible said, and they were added to the church. Not the invisible church, but to the visible local church. Having a private commitment to Christ is not found in the Bible. I'll never forget actually it was when we were in the process of building this church someone stopped by and i encouraged i said we would love to have you come and they, they profess to be a christian so i'd love to have you come and fellowship with us and become a part of our church they said this is what they said my church is a tree stand <laughs> really now i like being in a tree stand but that is not my church but that's the concept that so many people have my church is being out on the golf course, or my church is being out on the boat, or my church is being out in the woods. That's where, that's where I commune with God. Can you commune with God in those places? Not on a golf course. It is impossible to commune with the Lord on a golf course. What I tell the other thing I told my daughter the other day, I said, you know, I have not cursed since I, and I, I never did really, even when I was in high school, I, I never cursed. But I do remember there was some times in high school when I cursed. The only time I ever came close to it was when I was on a golf course. <laughs> no, the Bible says this. The whole congregation assembled together. Not on the golf course. Not in a tree stand. Not on the lake. The church in Jerusalem. The disciples in Jerusalem. In every church. The whole church. The elders of the church. I could go on and on. Think about this. Phil mentioned it this morning in Sunday school about deacons. Can anyone tell me when were the deacons first chosen? Acts chapter 6. Why were deacons chosen? To serve the local church. There were issues that had arisen. There were some people that were going hungry. There was division within the church. And the apostles said, it's, it's not good that we should leave our ministry of the word and get involved in these physical things. And they chose deacons to serve in the local church. I went to Romans chapter 16. Do you know I counted 28 people who were listed as members at the church at Rome? Hmm. 28. Why do we gather together in the local church to worship? Let me ask you something. Were we worshiping today when we were singing? Look, we have... We probably have... A little over 200 here today. I mean, this church of 200 seems like church of 400. What are we doing? We're worshiping. Can I say something to you? Yes, you can sing to the Lord 
out there, wherever. But I'll tell you something, it's much better when you're together with other believers. I remember years ago, I went to a pastor's conference. It was held at uh, uh, Detroit in Cobo Hall. There were over 2,000 pastors there. And when we sang, I mean, seriously, it was like heaven. Heaven came down. You know, we've had this movement. It's kind of fizzling now, but the home church movement kind of born out of the homeschool movement. I want to tell you something. This, this whole home church movement is rebellion against God, God-given authority, and the Word of God. We gather together for collective worship, John chapter 4. We gather together to receive instruction from the Word of God, 1 Timothy chapter 4. We gather together to serve and to edify one another and to use our spiritual gifts, 1 Peter chapter 4. We participate in the ordinances, baptizing folks, observing the Lord's table, Acts chapter 2. And then we go forth and we proclaim the gospel to a lost and dying world who needs Jesus. I'm telling you, being a part of a local church is absolutely essential for every single born-again believer. If you're not a member of a local church and you're not active in that local church, find you a local church that you are one heart and one mind with, going in the same direction. Your doctrinal beliefs are where they need to be. If you haven't been baptized, get baptized. Become a member of that church and start serving the Lord in and through that church. This is the will of God. Becoming a member of a local church also puts you under pastoral authority. Pastor Evan shared this during my birthday a couple weeks ago. He shared this passage of scripture referring to the pastor. Remember them that have the rule over you. Submit yourselves to them for they watch for your souls as they that must give an account. That they may do it with joy and not with grief for this is unprofitable to you. For all of you who are out there maybe listening online and you think I don't have to be a part of a local church and I don't have to put myself under a pastor. I'm just part of the body of Christ, the invisible universal church. Really? Then who's your pastor? I want to tell you something. These these pastors that you watch on TV, they're not going to be there when you need counsel. They're not going to be there to, to perform your weddings. And they're not going to be there to put you in the ground. God designed that every single person needs a pastor. And you know what? If that universal, invisible church thing was true, then who's your pastor? There have been some times when we've had to exercise church discipline here in our church. There haven't been many. Here's here's what usually happens. It's when it comes to a case where church discipline needs to be exercised, the members just take off. You're not going to discipline me, I'm out of here. That's usually what happens. But there have been times when we've had to exercise church discipline. How do you exercise church discipline if you're not a part of a local church, if you have no pastoral authority and you're just part of that invisible body of Christ? 
You see, I, I really think the reason that people push that forth is because they do not want to be accountable. We can only hold our members accountable. So how does church discipline take place? Matthew chapter 18. First, a person is confronted privately concerning their sin. If they repent, it doesn't have to go any further. If they don't repent, then you take two or three more others with you. If they still do not repent, the Bible said, then you bring them before the, the body of Christ, the church, and you dismiss them from membership. All the time praying that they would repent and be restored. But church discipline is absolutely impossible. I just went through, I just did a study of this. The Bible said, love one another, serve one another, accept one another, strengthen one another, help one another, care for one another, forgive one another. That whole page here. Encourage one another, submit one to another, commit yourself to one another, admonish one another, provoke one another to love and good works. Meet with one another, agree with one another, be concerned one for another, humble yourself before one another, have compassion one for another, do not be consumed one of another. Don't be angry toward one another. Don't lie to one another. Don't grumble to one another. Give preference one to another. Be at peace one with another. Sing to one another, if you have a good voice. <laughs> some, some, some people you don't want singing to you. Be of the same mind one toward another. Comfort one another. Be kind one to another. Live peaceably with one another. Bear one another's burdens. Build trust with one another. Be devoted to one another. Be patient with one another. Be interested in one another. Be accountable one to another. Confess one to another. Live in harmony one with another. Don't be conceited one to another. Don't pass judgment one on another. Don't slander one another. Instruct one another. Greet one another. That's only possible in the local church. Now, one more argument. <laughs> you ever notice sometimes the preacher argues with you? How does the church support needy widows if it's just some universal, invisible church? The Bible teaches in 1 Timothy chapter 5 that there are these precious ladies who if, if they are destitute, they're widows, they are destitute with no family to support them. If they have family, whose responsibility is it? Man, they're at least 60 years of age, they are blameless, and the Bible said if they are widows, and they're widows indeed, the church needs to rally around them and support them. How can you do, are we responsible to support every widow in our community? I'll, I'll tell you what I've done, maybe made me think I'm a little hard-hearted in this, but I get these calls all the time of people who want money. Jim, remember that, Pastor? You remember that? Call the church, you know, can you help me out? You, you would not believe some of the stories that I hear. And this is what I say to them. Are you a member of a local church? Guess what? Nope. Go find a local church to be a part of. 
The basis of becoming a church member is clearly seen in the example of the early church, the existence of church leadership, the existence of church discipline, the mutual edification of one another, the support of widows. The bottom line is this, the important church, the local church is important. It's important to God, it should be important to you. If you're saved, you should, you should be baptized, become a member of a local church and get involved. It is the will of God. Let's have every head bowed. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.